All right. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to another Learning Tech Talks, where we are exploring the landscape of learning and workplace technology, and oh, so much more than that. Today, I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to get feisty, no doubt. I'm going to get feisty on this one, um, because we're going to be talking about you know, the way I guess I'm going to put this is we're going to be talking about how to run L&D like a P&L leader and what that looks like in terms of decision making, operational efficiency, analytics. We're going to get into some of the data and analytics behind that. And so to help me navigate that conversation, I'm joined by Patrick Flanagan from Administrate out in Bozeman, Montana. Is that not, did I get that one right? That's right. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to this. And for those of you who are just joining, uh, feel free to let me know who's here. I, it's always, I always get a chance to look afterwards, but it's always more fun during the show to see who's actually here. So feel free to comment so I can see it. And then I can call you out by name if you have questions. I promise I won't call you out as a guest unless you want me to, but I do like actually engaging with folks along the way. So as we get into this a little bit, before we get rolling, you know, Patrick, on your end, I always find it helpful if people understand who it is that's joining me on the show. So give me a little bit of background into who is Patrick and how did you end up at Administrate? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Uh, you know, I joined Administrate about eight years ago and I joined because I saw that they were solving the problem that I was facing in, in L&D, which is just kind of this operational efficiency problem, especially around kind of classroom training, but then also bringing all the data together uh, in kind of a rich reporting aspect. So when I came okay. across Administrate and what they were doing, I just thought, wow, this has there's huge opportunity. Now, was your here. background I, in training? I mean, obviously, you you were able to put it, some of the dots together. You know, it was in it. It varies, but I was in operations, but I acted as an okay. SME, so it was really tied into a lot of the just teaching classes and and trying to get the reporting and see the rich analysis and and being frustrated with that along with okay. you know the L and D leaders. So, so you yeah, were spent you were spending time as an operations leader doing some of the delivery to help bring up folks. And then we're like, Hey, okay, great. Like, how's it, how's it working? How are we doing? And it was like crickets chirping. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, well, we've got to pay 5k to get a report and you know, there's all this silent <laughs> data and, and all this stuff. And, you know, it was, so we can get that to you in about three months and we can't guarantee the accuracy or effectiveness <laughs> of the data we get you. So as a big forewarning, our data quality may not be reliable. Exactly. Yep. You get it. Okay. Yep. Okay. And so that frustrated you to, which understandably, I know plenty of people who are frustrated by that challenge. And so you thought, Hey, I know I'll go work for an organization that actually is doing something to help solve that problem. Is that a, and how long have you been there now? Uh, just over eight years. So, okay. uh, companies companies headquartered in in Scotland. We've got a, a big U.S. presence still, uh, and I I actually moved over to Scotland for a while back in in Bozeman in our office here. But um, yeah, we've we've gone through the journey, and we're really trying to solve some of that pain. And and we can talk more about that. Okay. Okay. So so 
I didn't. I guess I didn't realize that that based the headquartered in Scotland. Is that okay? Well, I, that's good to know. All right, but you're you're in Montana, running kind of part of the because I know there's a big office out there in Montana, which is a, by the way a nice place to have a headquarters. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> all right. Well, we were talking about skiing. Are you a skier or a snowboarder? By the way, I do have to ask that. It'll determine the quality of this meeting, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens here. I am definitely a skier. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. All right. So so for those, you Administrate has been on before, but it's been mm-hmm. a while. And so there may be folks out there who are not familiar with Administrate. So I do want to make sure, just so we level set a little bit, we... You, if you've been listening thus far, you probably have some clues as to what it is as a platform. But um, how do you describe it? You know, when folks say, "Okay, so you're in this space," and where does it fit in the ed tech category? Yeah, um, so we're a, we're a training operations platform. Uh, we take a, a a real platform approach uh, with an API layer. We're we're very you know we nerd out on the data for sure. Um, and we integrate with other ed tech tools, we're kind of single source of, source of truth, uh, and integrate with other pieces of the organization's tech stack. And we really believe we have to do that to show uh, return on investment uh, into human capital and training. Okay. So I want to get some clarity on this because again, folks who yeah. may be listening, I, I find a lot of practitioners in the space, especially with the ed tech market, it gets a little bit ambiguous and, and certain yeah. words don't always mean, I just always think yeah. of the, you know, princess bride, that doesn't mean what you think it means type of a thing. And so to me, when I think yeah. of operations, there's multiple components to it that sometimes get confusing for folks because there's the workflow, there's the general workflow, how work happens within your internal operations. There's the actual, mm-hmm. you know, flow of work type of stuff. To me, there's also some of the operations around, kind of the technology delivery management. Then there was also this weird category for a bit that now is, I think, fallen off the main stage at least, but still has almost kind of been baked in. It's kind of more the LRS side of kind of just purely trying to capture all of this data, but still very narrowly um, when you think about it in the broader ops. Where in that spectrum, or is it all of the above? Uh, we... Yeah, it's a good question. So we we kind of sit behind the um, the different modals of learning. So you know, we sit right. behind e learning, sit behind classroom, BILT, lab learning, and on the job. And we're we're kind of capturing the data off of those journeys, but also enabling the operational efficiency around that. And when I say that, what I mean is. You know, every time you run a course, you've got a lot of things going on workflow. You've got to make sure you're booking resources. Um, You've got event scheduling. You've got communications around those uh, events. You're doing surveys, capturing that data. Um, And and we really believe there's best in breed tools out there. And so we're not trying to do everything, but we want to connect to those best of breed tools have that data in one spot so we can do rich reporting okay. analysis. Yeah. Okay. And that that helps, I think, give some additional clarity to this. Because I can relate, you know, from an L&D standpoint, this is no shortage of, like you said, there's lots of tools out there that are managing 
a lot of this stuff, whether it's learning content, like you said, whether it's learning the actual mm -hmm. classes and all this stuff, but communications, but like you said, I mean, the amount of data that's created versus the amount of data we actually have access to. And do we actually know what happened with any of this stuff? Like, yeah. We say we want to get learning closer to the flow of work. We say we want to reach people where they are. We say we want to make things more relevant and accessible. Yet, in many regards, it's very much a black box in terms of that. And is that really the core of the problem that administrators is trying to solve is to say, hey, there's a whole bunch of this stuff. We recognize that. We're not trying to become the panacea. What we want to do is tap into those sources and say, let's, let's help you bring that together so you can make decisions well. Yeah, absolutely. We we call ourselves uh, learning infrastructure as well, so we're we're kind of okay. the switchboard operators for for all the trains running on time, that that sort of okay. thing. And so the air traffic control, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and we we really believe, you know, we I'll I'll say this quickly, but you know, twenty years ago in marketing, marketing was a black hole until you had some of these uh, platforms come on the scene, help with some of the operational components, but also really track your investment all the way through. So I knew okay. if I put a dollar in, I got $3 back. Yeah, your cost, I mean, even assessing like cost per leads and like how much are we actually yeah, yeah. spending on all this? Like, is, is it actually converting to a yeah. sale? So we, Before it was like, we well, just, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we, we, we think of ourselves as the, doing the same thing for training. You know, okay. where, do, where does that investment dollar go uh, when you're investing in a course for one of your employees? What do you get out of that? And so tracking that all the way through while we help with some of those operational efficiencies is kind of where we sit. Okay. So in, in many ways, helping answer the question, here's what went into this. Did it have the desired outcome? Like, did it achieve what we really were hoping to get? And what did it cost for us to actually get to that? Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's right. And uh, talking about kind of like, you know, when we say, what are you tracking or what is the ROI, you know, what are the metrics that you need to impact in the organization and how do you connect those dots all the way through uh, to what you're doing, I think is, is a key component of that. Okay. So let's, let's make the transition then to this, because I think it's a natural transition point. On, I said in the beginning, we're going to be talking about thinking more like a PL leader when it comes to this, which mm -hmm. I grew up closer to the operations side of things. And there's in many ways almost a different way of looking at things when you're when you're looking at your business or your function that way, because you have to just make a lot of these critical decisions. But saying that and doing it are two very different things. So we we kind of joke backstage that there's some real opportunity for L&D to act more like a product or a P&L leader, which by yeah. the way, if you're not familiar, P&L, profit loss, you're basically owning um, that. Where do you see some of the opportunities in our industry in this space? And obviously we talked a little bit about, well, in some ways when the data is a black mm -hmm. hole, it you know results in that. But what are some of the things you're seeing where we could get better at this? Yeah, I think there's still a lot of opportunity in um, in learning analytics uh, space. Really thinking about, you know, why why am I taking attendance? Why am I tracking engagement? You know, we we tend to 
we tend to track all these things and have reports on it and that sort of stuff. But why are you doing that? And continuing to ask why all the way up the chain is one direction to go and then understanding like, okay, then this is the actual organizational impact. The other, the other thing I think about is what is the organization trying to do? If they're trying to, um, I don't know, increase manufacturing quality, you know, by some metric 2% or something like that. How does L&D help with that? And how do you track all the way through to actually showing that you've had impact there? Um, and I think, you know, sometimes in, in L&D, we aren't as crisp uh, as we could be on, on those <laughs> metrics. And You're very diplomatic in the way you say <laughs> we're not terribly crisp all the time. Like, no, we honestly, if I don't know anybody in our industry that if you're honest, maybe, maybe publicly they wouldn't do this, but if you're honest behind the scenes, they would say, no, we don't do this very well. We don't do this. <clears throat> and that's not a knock just on our industry. I think a lot of just organizations struggle with actually really understanding yeah. the nature of their business and understanding, okay, if we're doing this, like, how does this fit and what are we connecting to? And thinking deeply about the work that's happening. Sometimes it's just like, well, this is just kind of what happens. Yeah. And, and we're just on this. cruise control. <laughs> and it's like, no, if you're going to think like a PL leader, you can't be on cruise control. You have to be constantly looking at what's happening and adapting it based on the environmental changes and understanding, well, why were we doing this in the first place? So when the environment changes, you can say, I, th I actually we're missing the intended target now because the environment's changed. Here's, I think, a shift we need to make to actually continue down that trajectory in this new environment. Yeah, I, I love that. This is stuff I love talking about, Chris. Um, <laughs> thinking, thinking about this capital allocation, you know, are your pieces in the right spot on the chessboard? You know, what is actual strategy? You know, um, how are we winning? How are we how are we using the resources we have uh, effectively um, and not being afraid to change what we've, what we've been doing, the status quo and, and really digging deep, like you said, and say, why are we doing this? You know, why am I yeah. tracking this stuff? Yeah. Well, so on that one, and I, I think it's a bit of a mix because to some degree, it's easy to say, well, it's, we, we don't have the data, which is an opportunity area, which it sounds very much like we're looking at that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious though, what other factors, and I'll weigh in on this, but I don't want to show my cards on it. Cause I think it's not, it's easy to point the finger at, well, it's because of this, because that feels like a very ethereal, like, oh, well, we can't get that. And so as long as I keep pointing at that, I don't really have to do a type of a thing. Cause I can kind of relegate why it's not happening. Are there other things that you see though as opportunities? Because the reality is you can always find an excuse why you can't do it. It's figuring out, well, right, but what can we do in the environment that we're in? So are there other things that you see contribute to some of this where we maybe aren't thinking deeply enough about some of this stuff? Yeah, I, I could think maybe of a couple things. Um, one would be, um, and, and this varies, uh, widely and and it's a bit of that kind of locus of control is it do i have the control to to organize my tech stack and my people to to design the tech stack that fits around what i'm trying to do or okay. does that sit 
outside of me and and do I have to fight with an IT group or or whatever? And do I and I, I think sometimes we can uh, blame you know organizational structure as well and and you know IT. Right, it's another easy that. target that's outside. Well, you yeah. know IT picked the system, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. And there's really nothing we can do about it type of a thing, which again, yeah. there's a legitimacy to it. There is legitimacy to it. I don't want to dismiss it, that that's not a yeah. real challenge that you have to deal with. I, but to your point, that can become an easy target. I, I think it can. And I, I think, you know, what I would uh, maybe encourage uh, folks to think about, especially on the, the lines of the PNL, um, you know, you can do anything if you can show ROI and impact to an organization. Um, and so I think sometimes we get stuck in status quo mode or being told no, but maybe we're not presenting the right business case uh, or are willing to think about how we should be doing that. Which goes back to thinking like a PNL to, to your point, and we'll get, we're going to get to the ROI thing. Cause I got a whole, we probably do a whole episode just on that piece, mm-hmm. but I, it, it, your point there is, and, and it is something that even in my own journey, I've had to work through where you go, you know, I'm being told no, and I'm convinced I've told the whole story and I'm still being told no, I'm going to throw in the towel versus saying, I'm being told no, why is that? Maybe the story I'm telling isn't resonating with my audience. Maybe I haven't articulated it in a way where I'm showing value they care about. I'm showing value I care about that is completely irrelevant. And I've I've been that person where I've been like, hey, we're going to do this and it's going to be great. And here's all the reasons. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I don't really care about that. You know, and you're like, <laughs> but you should. And then we end up arguing why they should care about our reasons instead of going, well, what doesn't matter to you? so that I can yeah. understand that and then connect the dots back to those things. I think that's super important. And it's a, it's a level of maturity that you have to operate at, um, you know, to get the things you want and to be able to make that impact. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's go back to this, starting with the why thing. Um, because I, okay. I, first of all, one, I really like the topic and I mean, I'm lo- about to launch a book called relentless intention which is all about this whole concept of getting down to the core of like, why are you really even doing what you're trying to do in the first place? Cause if you're not locked in on that, yeah, <laughs> you just end up, you know, flying all over the place. Yeah. But I am curious what you've observed and how you can do that. Well, cause I have seen this happen where sometimes it goes one of two ways. We either assume that the why that we get on first pass is the why. And you're like, maybe the why you're given isn't even fully thought through. You can't just take things at face value. But I've also seen the analysis paralysis kick in where people just go deep and dig. And it's like, okay, at some point you do have to take action. You can't, cause you could pontificate and, and, you know, sit and think through all the possibilities, literally, till you're six feet under and still not necessarily get to a conclusion. So what, yeah. how do you encourage people to do that? Well, cause I think it's really important, but how you do it to me matters almost as much as doing it. Yeah, it's, it's good question. I think it's not easy. I think you have to start and make sure you're asking the right questions and then you have access to, 
to the data to give you the initial answers. And so um, we, I'm pretty biased on this issue with administrator because we, we have all the data now and, and the, the where we're <laughs> yeah. headed, where we're headed now is, is what we call decision support. And so it's, it's not me taking all the data and trying to figure out, you know, how am I, how am I, how am I supposed to bring up the right report or how should I be thinking differently about my next year or how, sh- how am I supposed to put this complex schedule together? It takes me forever. I hate doing it. Why not have, you know, if a system already has the data, why not kind of determine the outcomes you're looking for and have, um, you know, AI or something like that, figure out the optimal outcomes um, if the data is already in place. Now, you the rule setting, all that is very, very key on that front. But I think going back into the learning analytics, you know, what is, I always think in the end, what are you trying to impact? And then how do you yeah. bring that back? Um, and you can look at it both ways. I think if you're, if you're assessing why am I doing the thing I'm doing, that's one way to like say, does this really make sense? I think the other, the other thing I love to do uh, is to say, all right, magic wand. Um, you know, if I was starting from scratch, how would I impact, uh, you know, this okay. organizational outcome? And then linking that all the way back and then seeing what's the gap between that and what I'm doing today. Now, it's okay. not uh, it's not always easy to, to turn no, all that around. No, so, but I think so. What's funny, there's two things that stood out to me on that that resonate very deeply. So the first one really is um, that point of like, why are we doing this? Sometimes one of the common missteps I see happen is. We, we stop short on that one. So, you know, we're, we're okay with just as, I mean, again, if we're, we're going to take an L&D example, maybe it'll be one of these like, oh, we need to improve our onboarding process. You know, why, well, why? Well, because it's not very good. And it's like, that's not the why. I mean, it, it is a why, but it's not mm-hmm. really the why. Like, it's about going deeper and thinking deeply about, yeah. right, but like, what if we fix it? Like, why is that a good thing? Why do we mm-hmm. care whether the onboarding process is better? Well, it improves employee experience. Okay, but why does that matter? Why, who cares if yeah. we improve the employee experience? Like, well, why is that a good? Well, and this can be really frustrating for people. So I will be the first to say I've had many conversations with stakeholders over the years who do get frustrated with me sometimes because I'm relentlessly curious in the space of like, right, but why yeah. do you even care about that? What if we fix yeah. that? What's that going to change? Or what do you think it's going to change? And they're like, yeah. just ah, just do it. And it's like, no, but this is a really important exercise to dig into some of yeah. those things, to deeply understand the interconnectedness, the complexity of like, oh, okay, so this ties to that. And if we can fix this and that. And what I've found going back to the time thing is this doesn't have to be a nine month analysis that you have yeah. to do. You can do this in a 30-minute conversation, depending on how well the person you're talking to actually understands their business. It doesn't have to yeah. be some endless thing. Yeah, and I think it's okay to not know the answer. Uh, you know, keep going after those whys and figure out the, you know, 
you know, is, is it related to ROI or is it because it's somebody else's objective and it's making their life easier, you know, and why does that matter? And, and actually getting deeper in the business, you know, you're talking about onboarding. Well, great employee experience, getting them tied into the organization. You know, what's the cost of ter- employee turnover? It's huge, right? right. So, speed to performance, how quickly like can they be doing their yeah. job effectively? Like, you get, you accelerate that, yeah. you dramatically impact return to the organization. I mean, there's tons of this stuff when you actually start digging into it. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we just had, something internally, you know, where it was, you know, one of our leaders was like, I need more help in this area, you know, and I need more resource. Okay. Well, well, why, you know, and having to take that, that it wasn't, it wasn't an L and D function. It was a CS function, but actually saying, okay, well, how, how are our CSM scored? What's the impact to the organization? How do we know that we need that individual and that, we're ultimately going to get a return on that, that investment. Yeah. I think you have to look at that, you know, across every function. Well, and this goes back to being a good PL leader. This is what the best PL leaders I've ever worked under do really well. They mm-hmm. deeply try and understand the interconnectedness of things. And they ask these really thoughtful questions to try and understand, okay, but right. If we make that change, how is that improving things? And also, how are we making sure that that doesn't break something else that actually, because you see this happen where you're like, hey, yay, we fixed this. And then it's like, oh, shoot, but we broke these nine things over here, which actually, when you're carrying a P&L, you think about this stuff a whole lot more because you're like, that's great if we made an investment and we bumped growth up 10 points. Yeah. Oh, but the cost over here ended up costing us 10 times more. So actually, overall, we lost money on what seemed like a really good win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I could go in a few directions here, <laughs> uh, Chris, but um, yeah, I think I think CFOs. You know, I heard a term recently. They're called CF knows, and you get you know you're told no a lot, but if if you can put it in their terms and they can see why we would do something, you get the yes. And so, I think that's a piece. Um, just thinking about what you said there, I think. Uh, the strategy and how are we, why are we doing something? Why, you know, why is this going to make an impact Um, and making sure that you don't put that out of balance? uh, Like you said, right. Um, You know, salespeople want to sell a lot of things. Uh, Manufacturers want to have quality and smooth, a smooth ride and they want to produce and hit their numbers. They don't want to, they don't want, they don't necessarily want to turn the dials up, um, you know, if it impacts right. quality and that sort of thing. So you've got to, ha- you got to keep all that in balance. Yeah. And I think that's just one of those areas, part of digging into that. Why? Well, it, and, and I guess I, this is one of the risks we can, we can operate on in L and D is we can assume that our stakeholders have already thought this through. And this was one of the biggest things early in my career that I had to flip the script on was we can't operate under the assumption that, well, they asked for us to do something. So they must have clearly thought through all of this. So, so we, we're in a position to just execute against it. And we shouldn't ask these deeper questions because some of the most effective conversations I've had with stakeholders have been when we dig into this and they go, shoot, 
right? I, I didn't think I didn't think about these other things. And now we're a partner working through this together and going, okay, so what if we do something like this? And it doesn't have to stop you from experimenting to your point earlier that it's like, it doesn't mean you don't do anything till you figure out all the chess plays. It's about saying, yeah. let's get to a healthy level of risk assessment where we can go, but what if we tried this? We think there's enough evidence to justify that. And then let's see what happens, assess it, and then go from there. Yeah. And I, I clocked something you said there too. You know, I think be, being asked to do something, always thinking of yourself in, in a receptive and reactive state is also maybe a, a concern. I think as a leader, you need to be on the proactive stance. You need to know what you're going to do, where you're going, how you would impact an organizational outcome uh, from your end, or you're always going to be in that reactive state. You're never going to have the control you want. And I think, you know, being a PNL leader is not only balancing your budget, but also knowing what investments do I need to make and what are the, what's going to be the return from that and be in that proactive stance that's going to get you respect and that's going to get you where you yes. want to go. And, and it's a much more comfortable state to be in um, than always just fighting fires or, uh, you know, that reaction right. stand. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's a skill going back to starting with the why and, and some of these things we're talking about is that's a skill you build over time. Cause essentially you're trying to play chess 10 steps ahead. You're trying to think, what are the things yeah. that are in front instead of going, well, shoot, they just put my queen in checkmate. Uh, you know, like <laughs> yeah. how do I rally my pieces? And it's like, well, it's kind of too late because you're in checkmate versus, yeah. all right, if I think about the next 10 moves they might make, how could I potentially position my pieces to be in front of that? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, sometimes we're thinking in terms of, you know, month or quarter, but if you're not in this versus proactive, year, yeah. And if you're, if you're not in a proactive stance, if a COVID comes along or something hits you, you may be, you may be stuck in that checkmate for two, three years, you know, that's just at it. Least. Yeah. No, I, 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 that's such a good point because I think sometimes where we see this, when we think about trying to be more proactive and, you know, things like that, your, your point is spot on where sometimes we're trying to think, you know, ahead to the next quarter or the next couple months versus what are we going to do? to be prepared for three years from now. You know, I yeah. just think where I was when COVID hit, for us, it, it almost impacted us not at all because we were like, well, we know this is the way work is moving. And so we have to basically be able to prepare for what this is. So when it hit, it was like, right, we have to flip a couple switches and there you go. And back to back to work type of a thing. But yeah. that's not easy to do, especially in the volatile environment that's moving as quickly as it is. Which then ties to what my next question is, or kind of the topic we'll get into. Making those decisions, if everything we just said is like, that sounds great, that sounds impossible. And for some folks, it can feel like, wow, you want me to play five years ahead? I feel like I can't even think through tomorrow, you know, before yeah. the end of the day type of a thing. How is technology and things that you're doing, especially around the L&D space, helping with that decision support. Cause really what we're talking about is mitigating risk, anticipating change and making decisions around that. And the way you do that is by having 
some of it's just skill and experience, but some of it's data helping inform you and seeing what's around the corner. So what are some of the ways that, you know, what we've been talking about and how administrates helping support some of that? Yeah. Uh, good question. Sometimes I think about this, like kind of like a business coach, which is where is your time being allocated? You know, if you were to look at mm. your calendar for the last month, where, where is that time being allocated? And if you were going to create the ideal future calendar, what would that look like? What are the gaps? What are you spending tons of time on? That's not high value. You know, some, a simple, very simple one that we kind of solved early on administrate was just communications going out and making sure you have mm. really rich communications with merge fields that had all the data you needed. Um, and some people, you know, in L and D you see some like mail merge geniuses, but they can only get to a certain level and you really need a system that can, you know, set up once and then just take care of that ongoing. So, um, yeah. you know, clearing that out is one example. Um, I think I mentioned to you, Chris, we, we're, um, coming out with what we call our scheduler feature, um, we've okay. always been able to help create schedules, but we're looking into decision support because so many of our L&D leaders spend so much time on their schedules. And sometimes they're so complex that as humans, we're just trying to get to something that works. And as soon as we get to something that works, we stop and we say, that's it, launch it. And, yeah. you know, what a- <laughs> What happens when you have, you know, a divestiture or an acquisition or you have, you know, people leave the team and then it's like, I was going to say somebody calls in sick or quit or whatever. And you're like, oh no, we never thought of this one. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this, this is a, a problem and you, some teams spend like six weeks coming up their schedule for the year and then, you know, something breaks it. And we, we really, they have to add a new class into the schedule and it's like, (laughs) exactly. What? (laughs) So, yeah. So when we were thinking like, what is the next best thing that we can help folks with? It was this. And we, so we, we had all the data anyway, we're already producing schedules. Let's add an AI component that comes up with 20,000 schedules per second. And, you know, so it's coming up with all these things that work and then optimizing for an outcome. So that could be instructor utilization or cost or some other business outcome that you're trying to go towards. And as humans, it just takes a lot of brain power that we shouldn't need to use if there's something out there that can be doing that for us. And so giving, giving options to us. And then as soon as you have something that breaks that schedule, just being able to say, Hey, fix this for me. And then it's fixed. And, you know, that's something that takes a lot of time away that you don't need to be doing and, you know, can, can let you get on with some high value uh, work. Well, and going back to the intersection, because this is a, a popular topic is like, how is AI, you know, where does AI fit into this mix and what you just described I mean, I still remember back in the days, I don't do it, you know, I've since live delivery is not as, as prominent in, in my space as it has been in the past. But I remember early in my days where live, 
I worked for a company once where we were doing, we had trainers that would go on site to clients. And I remember the planning and time that went into, okay, we've got these people, we've got these customers, they need these people for, and the weeks of like, okay, what are our blackout dates? And I mean, it was an administrative nightmare going through trying to do this. And then to your point, something changes. Oh no, this trainer quit. And now we've got a new person coming in, but they're not going to be skilled to go to these clients yet. It consumed massive amounts of non-value added time. And that's something that to your point, AI can very quickly say, well, let me quickly calculate, like what are the 100 different possibilities of how you do this? And then like ways, you know, go, okay, well, that changed. Uh, let's redirect you around this, which would have historically taken weeks of, well, we got to blow the whole calendar up and start back over because this whole thing got screwed up. Yeah. And, and back to your, back to your point on like, how do you, how do you carve out this high value proactive time? I think it's really looking into that future calendar. How much time should I be spending on analysis? Um, You know, forward thinking, you know, maybe that's, 40% and you say, okay, I'm going to allocate that 40%. That's a forcing function to make you look at the the rest of the stuff that has to go within that 60% and then say, you know, usually the answer, the quick answer is, oh, that's impossible. You know, but if you can break (laughs) down each, I'm too busy, right? That's right. I mean, honestly, that's like, I'm just too busy for that. And it's like, well, you're too busy for the things that you don't prioritize. Yes, that's true. Right. Yeah. So if you can then take that glut of stuff you're doing every day and you break it down into chunks and you say, all right, what's out there to solve this? All right, I'm going to bring in a piece of tech to solve this. And at the same time, I'm going to make sure that that connects to my other piece of tech. So that I'm, I'm already grabbing some analysis out of that. And I don't have to do the spreadsheet or the footwork in between those two things, you know? And so you're, you're thinking about your tech stack in a smarter way already solving problems and conforming to how you want to run the business. I, I worked for a CEO uh, quite a while ago, but one of the best things he told me one time was don't ever configure your business to a piece of software, make sure it's the other way around and, you know, make sure you build that tech stack. And, you know, 15 years ago, that was hard today. It's not. There's, there's a lot of interoperability, extensibility between these tools. You just have to think about it the right way. Sometimes you need some help consulting on the architecture. That's okay. Uh, but you can really enable yourself to, to be doing this high value work and offloading a lot of this on the technology now. So I want to, I want to get to this integration piece, because I think this is a really important piece, but I also want to highlight something that you said there that jumped out to me which goes back to, and this is the core of some of this stuff, is you you talked about being able to make some of these critical decisions. You need to, yes, technology can absolutely help. But if you don't fundamentally understand your business, and when I say your business, as an L&D leader, your business is L&D. Like if you don't understand the complexity and the interconnectedness of, okay, how do these pieces work and how do these functions tie together and how do these hand off? 
technology is only going to do so much for you. If anything, it's only going to accelerate the problems that you have. Your dumpster fire is going to turn into a forest fire because it's going to be like, well, yeah, you sped things up, but you didn't even fundamentally understand how things worked in the first place. You just accelerated a lot of the problems that you already had. Now, granted, can it help mitigate some of those? Sure. But I mean, is that fair to say? From Because that's been my experience is a lot of times we look to technology to be the solution instead of saying, you got to figure out your core. It, two, you, yeah. not it has to be one and then the other. You can do them in parallel. But if you're just like, well, I'm sure what we're doing is fine. Let's just throw some tech at it. I have not seen that go in a happy direction very often. <laughs> it's you. It, 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 it's usually a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I was, try, I was trying to be as diplomatic as you were earlier on in the show about it, you know, to try and be like, well, you know, I mean, I can think of one yeah. time where it kind of didn't scorch the earth. But I mean, for the most part, yeah. it, that's just what happens. I, you, it burns the earth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, if you're, if you're adding an attendance tracker or something like that, that doesn't, that doesn't have to be a big problem. But if you're no. really thinking right. like, how does the core of this operate and function and how am I capturing, you know, what I need to do to do rich analysis and, and how do all these things interplay? We'll get the integrations here. But um, I think if you're, if you're thinking add on for a lot of these systems, like a lot of people, um, you know, we've seen over the years is like, my LMS isn't working for me. I'm going to go out and look for another LMS, you know, and that's going to, that's going to fix it, but they haven't done. What do I do at the core here? They haven't done the business analysis. Um, and I, I would say it's, it's probably very difficult. Most L and D leaders that we talk to have not, done the magic wand green filled approach that come in they've inherited somebody else's system that is like yeah you know frankenstein you know over the last 20 years of you know different components you know wired together <laughs> with, with whatever um duct and, tape and paper clips you know, yeah and what what we like to say is you need to straighten out the spaghetti before you, you know, you get that, you start <laughs> buying tech, you know, yeah. it's, you, if you look at some of these workflows, it's workaround on top of workaround on top of workaround and you've got a bowl of spaghetti. You don't have nice straight lines and you've got to, you yeah. got to do that first. And it's this, this can take years, but it will pay off. Um, and I think also it doesn't have I'm to take years and you do, you do need to think about like, what is that locus of control and how do I take ownership of it? I really love that you brought that up. I mean, this is over the years, this is, this is the part that nobody really likes to talk about because it, it doesn't, it doesn't preach well at the conferences, right? This isn't the kind of stuff that makes the main stage Yeah. <laughs> where it's like, yeah. so what did you do is you kicked off your, you know, organizational transformation. I dug into the spaghetti and I straightened the spaghetti. Like nobody's like, yeah, woo. Like people, <laughs> that's not, but that's to your point. Yeah. That's where historically my experience has been time and time again, when I take the time to go, this is not the fun part. This is not the fun yeah. part. We are going to unpack the spaghetti and go, this is broken. This doesn't make sense. We've got to get this out. We've got to do this. 
Then we can layer on how do we optimize. And I think the point that I would add as kind of a nuance to that is just because you're doing that to, to the point you made, does that have to take years? Um, the whole thing doesn't. In my opinion, it's right. actually never done. I think going back to something you said earlier where we have this idea, like think once we've great. arrived at Nirvana, we don't have to do it anymore. It's like, no, this is just part of no. the way you should be working. This constant iteration of, okay, that was working yeah. last year. Now it's not. The spaghetti got tangled. We need to go back. We need to revisit the spaghetti and straighten it out type of a thing. And it, it just becomes part mm -hmm. of the way you work instead of this like three-year exercise, we're going to go behind the curtain and then ta-da, and then we get to move on. And I think something else yeah. you said is there are things you can do along the way. It doesn't have to be we accomplish nothing until that's done. It's like, well, no, there are things you can do as you go as you are straightening the spaghetti out. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really good point. We sometimes, you know, we'll have folks come to us and say, okay, we're going to bring in administrate. And we've got these 11 integrations we want to bring into it before we go live. And we we sometimes will back up and say, okay, what's, what's your plan? Um, you know, what is the what is the ultimate architecture look like here? Um, and sometimes we'll say, you know what, let's take these three things, let's go live with them. And then maybe some of this work is a little bit manual, but maybe we actually figure out what the core business needs are, um, and get a little bit of learning through that manual work. And yep. then we say, okay, then let's put together the integration versus, Hey, I already know because I'm all knowing and I'll wire up some stuff and I'm sure the data will be perfect, you know, moving back and forth. The problem is you get all 11 things integrated and then you realize, well, we left a lot of things out here or we did. Well, and you end up making another ball of spaghetti. You, do. you end up making yeah. another ball of spaghetti. You're like, hey, great. Let's hook all this stuff up. And then you're like, oh, shoot. Now it's broken but we don't even know where because yeah. we threw so much stuff into it that now this whole thing's a mess. And we just moved our mess from one box to another instead of saying, like you said, hey, these three, we got these lines straight. Let's let's move those over here and then let's figure out, well, this is messy and yeah, it's tedious, but we're gonna work through it. And then as we get there, we'll continue moving things over. Yeah, I, so let's I, you oh, go for it. something. I'll, I'll just say one more thing. I think- you know, in terms of managing the business, you got to be um, really diligent on making sure that you don't you don't start to have some of that spaghetti tangle. And the, the way that spaghetti starts to tangle, I think, Chris, is, you know, all of our people are excellent and they're trying to do the right thing and get to an yes. outcome. But sometimes they feel like they don't have the power to change something. So then what happens? A workaround comes up, a spreadsheet is born, <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden you don't know that. And then, you know, maybe months in, you're like, whoa, 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 right. what is this spreadsheet, you know, how this is not the direction we were headed towards. And so there is that learning analytics. There's the teaching your whole group to think a certain way and to say, we're going to have straight lines. We're, we're going to really work on this together. And if you guys see a need, let's surface that and talk about it. And, you know, yeah. how are we going to 
to think about this long term. And, and like this, you said, the stuff we're talking about. Well, and the thing is, this is big. Like what we're talking about right now is not something you like show up at a team meeting and go, hey, everybody, like, here's what we're going to do now. And it's fixed because these yeah. are big. You're talking organizational yeah. trust. A lot of times the reason people don't bring yeah. things up is because they don't have trust that anybody cares or is going to listen or they're they're just going to be told we don't have time for that type of a thing. So there's, there's some real, even just people stuff that you have to work yeah. through to say, all right, how do we build an organization that can do this, can do this well? And it's not that you can't ever have workarounds. That's something that I, that I would just add. And I, I'm thinking you would agree with yeah. me on this. It's not that you can't ever have workarounds. It's that, you know, you're doing those workarounds and they're being done intentionally with the goal of saying, we're doing it now to perfect it so that it can be corrected. It's not that you 100%. say we'll never do a workaround because sometimes you need to do a workaround, but you should know about it and be looking to fix it. Intentional about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Totally okay. agree with that point. Yeah. Mm, this is big. This is big stuff. I told you I was going to get animated in this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> but so let's talk about the integration piece because this is one that, especially as we talk about the tech piece, mm -hmm. I have seen people underestimate what that is. And to some, to some degree, the vendor community has contributed to this because again, the word integration means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And a lot of people are not super tech savvy. So when they ask, oh, do you integrate? You know, sure. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, but what what does that actually look like? Because integration is not necessarily just this one like plug and play type of a thing where it's a yes, no question. So I am curious, how are you navigating that space? Because I have no doubt there is no shortage of challenge around this, not only because not all integrations are created equal and the nuance of what people need to integrate with and what data they need to pull, not only is that nuanced, but then on top of it, not, I would say this has gotten much, much better in the last five years. Um, but historically, sometimes vendors didn't always want to integrate because it was like, well, we don't, we don't want our data going to someone else. We want to try and create our own panacea type of a thing. And the thought that you're going to take things elsewhere, that's uncomfortable. Like I said, I think we've gotten way better in the tech market around this, but there's no shortage of challenges. Yeah, it, I think integrations can be a very scary word and you can think about you know how oh great how long is that going to take who do you know how do, <laughs> how do i how do i get the resource here how do i get the budget um it doesn't have to be that way anymore yeah. i think especially with um you know modern SaaS uh products especially um just understand that they've got to have that connectivity um, we have a very a full API. We have a learner data model um, at Administrate, but even that can be a little daunting. We have a developer portal, you know, and it, you know, you can grab any piece of data, any field, anything you want in Administrate, and that that is super powerful. But it can also be a little scary, terrifying well. to people. Oh, it can yeah. be terrifying, especially because a lot of L and D teams have not had this skill set in their yeah. team. This is a new capability that I would say most of the L&D orgs I talk to have not 
they have not built this kind of internal skill and capability where, so they hear this and it's like, Oh no, that's, that's like it yeah. or consultants type of a thing. Yeah. We don't play in that space and it's frightening. Yeah. And we, we, we've certainly recognized this and there are L and D teams that have their own developers, but even then you want to make this easy. And we, we think about it in terms of like recipes. So if you want to, if you need to integrate administrate to an LMS or an HRIS, here's the recipe you use every time. Okay. So you, you're okay. going to get these fields and that sort of thing. And there's, there's um, iPass solutions out there that are making this a lot easier. So integration platform as a service. Um, and some Is that of these like, are... um, I, 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 th- I think I know some of these things. Um, gosh, yeah. So that? like, Workato, uh, Boomi, MuleSoft is the kind of the Salesforce yeah. one. But anyway, I, 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 I use some of these too, where like it passes information from like my my um, Squarespace over to like this type of a thing, and you just do these plug and play type integrations, that's right. pre-integrated, and it's just you're basically queuing it, going, I want this information and this information and this information triggered based on this event to feed over here, type of a thing. Yeah. And so that's exactly what it is. So, and a lot of it is no code anymore. So it's, it's, I've got these fields on administrate and I've got these fields over here on an LMS. These are what I need to map together. And it, it sounds scary. Uh, It's not as scary as it used to be at all. Um, And it's, they're, they're easy to use. A lot of companies like us are trying to make sure that we work well with these solutions and provide okay. um, the ability to have those drop downs of fields and say, map okay. it together. And you would. So like, kind of giving it the feel. I remember the word now, Zapier, right? Oh, like that yeah, kind of a, feel. But, but is that the kind of feel one, that you're but, trying to get? It? Yep. Very yeah, small one, small but that one, kind of concept but, of trying to help people understand, like, how are you passing data from one source to another? Yeah, and you 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 totally can surprise yourself with what you're able to do without a background in in IT if those recipes are there and you can follow okay. a guide. And that that's on us as as you know tech solution leaders to make sure that's available and easy to use. So we see. We see the need there and are, and are definitely working in that direction as well. Okay. And like I said, I, I will say credit, credit. You know, I think sometimes the industry is hard on the, on the vendor community, but this is an area I've seen tremendous growth from the vendor mm-hmm. community is saying, listen, like we recognize we can't ever be the one solution, the Highlander of ed tech. We just can't. Yeah. And so we know this is a reality of our customers that they are using these different solutions and there's greater value in the information being shared and moved around than there is in trying to battle that off. And so I've seen that tremendously. And to your point, even my experience, uh, for the folks who aren't super tech savvy, it is possible to pick some of this stuff up and it is becoming much easier than it used to be to be able to go through this stuff. So I, I think I've been in conversations where people are still operating off 20, 20 year old Intel on what integrations look like. And it's come a long way in terms of what that looks like to say, hey, we just need to connect these two systems and we only need this data, not all this data. How do we actually pass that through? And it it's much easier than it was before. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I would say too, as learning leaders, there's, there's folks in your team too. Uh, you give them the high level, what you're trying to achieve and give them a little challenge to say, Hey, do we have the right tech? And do you think you could wire this up, you know, using one of these solutions? And some of these solutions are pretty cheap. Um, and, and technology, like you said, has come a long way. So, um, there, you know, you, you may not have that, that person, you know, with that title in your team, but that, but you have somebody with that desire and skill set. That's the thing that I've seen over the years. And this goes back to as a PL leader, knowing your business is also knowing your people and the team that you have, because the reality is what you said is spot on over the years. Have I always had the role in my team that did this? No, I haven't always had that luxury because some companies just operate differently, but have I always had someone on the team who is kind of that really technical person that really always was up for a challenge and kind of trying to solve some of these problems and figuring it out. And, and they were the person that would do this for fun Anyway, yeah. that you're like, hey, you know what? What if we yeah. like skill, upskill and and help this person? And also it just, again, going back to career development and career mobility within your org, knowing how to run your business well, like these are really powerful, important things that you can do. Because um, I sometimes I'll get, well, I don't have enough headcount on my team to hire a developer. Okay. Do you have instructional designers? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, are, yeah. do you have, you, you've got to have that one on your team that, is unusually technically savvy and they like geeking out on this. They love playing with triggers and variables and storyline. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I do. Right. Like, okay, that person talk to them about doing some of this stuff. They will actually love actually getting into some of these things, but you've got to know your team and know where those people are. Cause if you don't, it's like, well, then you can't run your business well. Yeah. And, or who's amazing at doing workarounds. Who am I always finding? That's like you know. <laughs> right? Who's the person that you're always frustrated with? Because you're like, yeah. grief. Can you not keep working around the system? Lean yeah, into like, it. Let's enable this person a little. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, over the years, like some of the some of the most counterintuitive lessons in running a team. Like sometimes the laziest people, and I don't mean in a bad way, like they don't do their work. Oh, yeah. But the folks that are always trying to like figure out how to cut corners. Yes, that can, it can be a bad thing, but it also can be a really powerful thing because you lean into that person and be like, listen, I know you're constantly looking for the shortest path between point A and point B. Yeah. Help us find those paths and yeah. and they'll do it. Like, cause they're not really lazy in the that. sense yeah. of that. They just, they're like, well, I'm just, I hate wasting time. I mean, I was that person. I'm like, I love working. I just hate wasting time on stupid stuff. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, this was great. This was great. Well, hopefully for those of you watching and listening, um, you, you got something out of this and it challenged your thinking a little bit around what it means to run your business differently and the role technology plays in that, but also the role you play in that because this isn't just a technology play. This is truly a people, a technology and a business play. So Patrick, thank you so much for being here. This was a blast. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Loved it. Yeah. Let's do it again. All right. For sure. Well, thanks everybody and have a great rest of your week.